Shalom and welcome to Amla Vadad Yishkon number 18. We're about to enter the final section of this uh, series of podcasts. And before we do so, let's just take a brief moment to recap uh, what we've done uh, so far. We began 17 episodes ago by uh, taking a number of the first, uh, first few podcasts to uh, describe and sort of wonder about a number of very, very unique uh, and frankly inexplicable aspects of Jewish history and of Jewish contemporary reality. We pointed out that the Jewish people is an entity that doesn't seem to make any sense. Its history seems to defy all logic. Uh, its contemporary reality also seems to defy all logic. Um, various questions like how we have survived uh, after all the things that have happened to us and why the entire world seems to have always been and seems to remain very much fascinated with us, often in a negative way. Uh, and we even saw that it's impossible to really define what we are using, using regular categories. And then we, um, we took a step back, and that was the second section, and we began to read the Torah from Bereshit Barai Elohim, and we, we saw that the Torah lays out a sort of a schematic view of human history and of the, the purpose for which, the, or at least the goal for which the world was created and the series of failed attempts that, that had been made for mankind and for the universe really to fulfill its purpose and through a full uh, range of events that took place, ultimately this led to the creation, to Avraham Avinu being chosen and the creation of, uh, of that entity to be known as Am Yisrael. We saw the stories of the Avot in the book of Breshit play into that. And then we saw afterwards, um, we spoke a little bit about Yitziat Mitzrayim, and we came to Har Sinai, and we understood how the Torah is really meant to be the blueprint for the society that's known as Mamlechet Kohanim Begoy Kadosh, and how that is meant to lead to, uh, ultimately, to the world reaching perfection. Uh, we also took a look at the Tochacha in the book of Vayikra, uh, one of two Tochachot in the Torah, um, in order to see the pattern or, the, or the, the, the framework that the Torah lays out for us regarding the future history of the Jewish people and the rules by which that history uh, is going to unfold. And then in the last section, we, uh, we took four weeks to analyze the, the short parsha, the short, short section of the book of Bamidbar that tells the story of Bil'am, and we saw how that entire story and Bil'am's poetic utterances uh, give us some extra insight into, into uh, the, uh, the nature of the Jewish people. And now we're ready to start the final phase of this, uh, of this entire discussion, which is, where is this all headed towards? What's the, what's the purpose of this and, 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 uh, how is this story, this great story that began with the creation of the world and has developed throughout history, what does the Torah have to tell us about how this story is supposed to end? And uh, in order to do that, let's start with the one thing that we left out of the story of Bilam. We sort of skipped over these psukim uh, last week. At the very end of the story of Bilam, in Bamidbar Perek Chavdalid, before Bilam left Balak, ostensibly for the last time, but then showed up again in the battle of Midian where he met his death. Uh, before he left, he offered Balak some unsolicited uh, information. Um, let's pick up the story from Perik Chavdal, Pasuk Yudalad. 
He said, I'm going home, said, uh, said Bilam. But before I go, I'm going to just tell you uh, about what this people, namely Am Yisrael, is going to do to your people at the end of days. That's a repetition of the formula that Bilam had said in his third, uh, third prophecy, the one that, that was actually a prophecy and not just words being put into his mouth. He describes himself as the one who can see and the one who hears voices of God and knows the 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 knowledge of the of the of God etc. And he then says the following pasuk Yudzayim, Erenu v'lo ata, Ashurenu v'lo karov. He says I see something that's not right now, it's not nearby. I'm able to see right now into the distant future, and this is what I see: Darach kochav miyakov, a star. A star shall shoot forth from Yaakov, the kam shevet mi Yisrael, and a, a, a scepter, a staff of leadership. In other words, a king will arise from among Yisrael, and our rabbis understood this as a reference to that which became known, and we'll be talking about this in, in the next few weeks, that which became known as the concept of the Melech HaMashiach, uh, he sees this king, this star, that's going to rise up out of the Jewish people in the distant future. In uh, several thousand years later, from the time of Bilam, uh, and yet almost 2,000 years ago for us, there was a man uh, named Rabbi Shimon Bar Kochba, who took his name from this pasuk. He, he tried to be the Mashiach, and he used this pasuk sort of as the model for which uh, his name is drawn. In any case, he says, I see Darach Kochav Miyakov Vakam Shevet Mi Israel. And what's this, this source of power that's going to rise up out of Am Yisrael? What's it going to do? Umachatz Pa'ate Moav. And it's going to, uh, you know, break through and smite the, uh, the corners of Moav, the Karkar, Kol Bene Sheit. It's going to break down all of the children of Sheit. Vaya Edom Yeresha. It's going to inherit Edom. And he goes on to list other nations, Amalek and the Keni and others, that are all going to be defeated by, uh, by Am Yisrael. So Bilam's final message is that in the distant future, Am Yisrael is going to arise, a leader is going to arise from among Am Yisrael, which is essentially going to, uh, going to just kind of conquer the entire world. Now, the truth of the matter is that if we had been standing there with Bilam, knowing what we've already read in the Torah until that point, there are certain things we could have added to that, to that image. I don't know if we would have realized that there has to be a king that's going to arise from among us, and I don't know if we would have necessarily predicted uh, dominion over the entire world, but anyone who's read the book of Bereshit knows that there has to be, um, first of all, that Am Yisrael is going to ultimately inherit all of Eretz Israel. This is something that was promised to Avraham multiple times. Um, for example, and I'll, I'll just pick one example, although I could give many. 
at the uh, at the Brit Milah, at his very first uh, when when Abraham got the Brit Milah and Bereshit Perik Yud Zion, he was told. Vahakimoti, uh, I'm reading from Perik Yud Zion of the Book of Bereshit Pasuk Zion. Vahakimoti at Briti, beiniu beinecho bein zaracha acharech ledorot tam levrit olam liot lecha lelokim lezaracha acharecha. Venatati lecha pasuk ched. Venatati lecha lezaracha acharecha et eretz megurecha et kol eretz kenaan laachuzat olam. So there we have a very very explicit promise that all of Abraham's children will inherit the land of Canaan uh, for an eternal inheritance. Um, and there are other other psukim as well that uh, that state the same thing. And therefore, if as we already read in the end of Vayikra, in the Tochacha, if there may come a time in history where Am Yisrael needs to be exiled from Eretz Yisrael, that exile is going to have to be only temporary, and there's going to have to ultimately be a return. So we already knew about that. And also, if you remember way, way back, in Parshat Noach, I'm sorry, in Parshat Bereshit, we talked about the expulsion from Gan Eden, and we said that there was a very, very cryptic pasuk, where... It said that after Adam and Chava were expelled from Gan Eden, that Hashem placed the Kruvim, Kruvim or some kind of angels, and the Lahat HaCherev HaMitapechet, the flame of the revolving sword, whatever that was meant to mean. But it says that those were placed there, Lishmor et Derech Eitz HaChayim. And we interpreted that Pasuk to mean that if the road to the road that leads to the Eitzachayim, the road that leads into Gan Eden, is being guarded and blocked, but still exists. That seems to imply that, that there will be a point in the future where it will once again be possible to access Gan Eden, to access the Eitzachayim, whatever that means, and uh, either uh, today or in one of the coming uh, final weeks of this series, we'll uh, have a look at the Ramban and see how he understood that concept. But in any case, even before Bilam, we should have understood, from what we already know, that history needs to be moving in a certain direction. There needs to be a point where Am Yisrael returns to Eretz Yisrael, and uh, there needs to be a point where Am Yisrael inherits Eretz Yisrael, and there needs to be a point where the promises to Avraham the ultimate purpose of it all, where all those things happen, and perhaps where that derech eitz chayim, that road that metaphorically perhaps leads back to the Garden of Eden, will once again become available. Um, but this needs to be fleshed out more. So Bilam helped us a little bit. He told us about this star, this, this shevet, this scepter of rulership that's going to arise from Yisrael and it's going to defeat all of the other nations, particularly our enemies. Let's turn now all the way towards the end of the Torah, to the end of the book of Dvarim. And in the end of the book of Dvarim, in Parshat uh, Nitzavim, uh, actually it begins in Parshat Kitavo, we have the second of those passages known as Tochacha. And the passage in Dvarim in some ways is parallel to the passage that we already looked at at the end of Vayikra. In other ways, there seem to be some differences between the passages. And various of the commentaries 
come up with different explanations to to explain why there are these two different passages and how they work together. Do they talk about the same things or do they talk about different things? Are they two different stages in the process or something of that nature? For our purposes, I don't think it's necessary to go into that, but simply to look at the psukim in Dvarim and see what they maybe add to what we already know from Vayikra. So um, let's, uh, let's turn here to Dvarim, Perak Kafchet, the end of the book of Dvarim. And as I said, it begins with what seems to be a parallel passage. Vahaya, im begins just like Parsha Pichu Kotai did. It begins first with positive, uh, positive, uh, a short passage of promises of rewards if we follow the Torah. Vahaya, im shamoa tishma, bekol Hashem, alokecha l'shmoa l'asot et kol mitzvotav asher nukhim mitzvotcha ayom. If you follow all the mitzvot, unutancha Hashem, alokecha uyon o kol goye haaretz, you'll be on top of the world. All these brachot will come to find you. Baruch You'll have a lot of children. You'll have a lot of financial success, etc., etc., etc. And Pasuk Yud Bet says, "Yiftach Hashem lechat otzaro hatov et hashamayim latet mitar aitzecha biito levarechi komaseyadecha." There'll be lots of rain, and you'll have lots of success. Etc. That's if we follow the Torah. But beginning with Pasuk Tedvav, it says, "Vehaya im lo tishma bekol Hashem lokech l'shmor la'asot et kol mitzvotav v'chukotav asher nochim mitzavcha hayom." If you don't listen and you don't follow the laws, then uvao lecha kol aklalota ela v'hisigucha arur atabayir v'arur atabasadeh arur privet nechal friyamatecha shgar alafecha be'ashterot zonecha. Then you're going to be cursed wherever you go, and all of your uh, your children will be cursed, God forbid, and your, your property will be cursed, etc. And then it begins to list, similar to Vayikra, but in greater detail and with less of a sense of a progression. It simply lists all sorts of terrible things that will happen to us. Pasuk mentions devers, various types of diseases. Pasuk Chaf, prior to that, uh, mentioned more minor types of illnesses. Um, that continues also in Chafbet, Shakhefet and Kadachat and Dalachet. Um, Pasuk Chav Gimel talks about uh, a drought. Vayashamecha asher al roshcha nechoshet v'yaaret asher tachtecha barzel. The sky will be as if it's made out of copper. It won't rain and therefore the ground will be like iron and nothing will come out of that either. And these various uh, descriptions continue. Uh, we're not going to read the whole thing inside, but let's skip now to Pasuk Lamed Vav. I want to just focus on the things that seem to add something that we didn't already see in Vayikra. Um, Vayikra talked about a, uh, an exile of sorts that comes at the end of a process where uh, earlier uh, and more mild punishments do not suffice. Ultimately, there's a process of exile. Um, but here it's spelled out a little bit of a greater detail. Uh, and remember, what we know about Galut Bayit Rishon and Galut Bayit Sheni, it's amazing to see the kind of predictions that are here in the Torah, uh, by all accounts, far in advance. For example, Pasuk Lamed Vav says, Yolech Hashem Otcha ve'et Malkecha asher takim alecha el goya shelo yadata atavavotecha that God will take you and your king into exile, as of course happened at the end of the days of Bayit Rishon. 
אל גויה שלא ידעת אתה ואבותיך, ועבדת שם אלוהים אחרים עץ ואבן. Fascinating, it says we're going to worship idols um, in the foreign land. The question is whether this means literally that we're going to worship them, or whether simply being there it's as if we're worshiping them. But in any case, that's what it says. And um, we're told later in Pasuk, um, in Pasuk Memtet, Yisa Hashem Alecha Goy Merachok, God will bring a nation from far away against you. From the other end of the earth, it's going to fly over to you like an eagle. And one cannot help but wonder at the fact that, as we know, the symbol of the Roman Empire, which ultimately fulfilled this pasuk at the end of the period of Bayacheni, was of course the eagle. Goy az panim, it's going to be a brazen nation. A nation that has no respect for elderly people and no mercy on children. And this nation is going to just swallow everything up. They're going to eat up your animals and your land until they completely destroy you and lay the land waste. Um, and then this is going to lead to terrible descriptions of famine. As, uh, for example, Pasuk Nun Gimel speaks about children eating, uh, people eating their own children. As we know, took place uh, in Yerushalayim during the terrible famine of the siege at the end of uh, both the first temple and the second temple periods. If we skip down to Pasuk um, Pasuk Samech Bet, after all of this, it talks, after the destruction and the initial exile, it talks about what's going to happen after that. And Pasuk Samech Bet says, V'nish Artem you shall remain a small number of people. In, instead of being as numerous as the stars in the sky like Hashem promised, because you're going to be punished and you're going to suffer so much and so many people are going to be lost in one way or another, so you're going to remain a small, a small people. Uh, because you didn't listen to Hashem. So that's on the one hand a terrible curse, but it's a curse that has a, a hidden blessing in it. Because the expression, Vinish Artem the expression that you will remain uh, a small group of people, that expression contains within it the expression, Vinish Artem. You shall remain a small people, but that means that you shall remain. And it goes on. And it explains the miserable existence we're going to have. Again, a miserable existence is still in existence. We're never going to be wiped out. That's what's promised to us here. But what's the miserable existence? Pasuk Samach Gimel Vahayak Asher Sas Hashem Aleichem Leitivetchem Uleharbotetchem Just like God had taken pleasure, as it were, in multiplying you and making, making things good for you. Kein Yasis Hashem Aleichem Lahavidetchem Lashmidetchem now God's going to, as if it, as it were, take pleasure in punishing you and in, and in destroying some of you. You're going to be completely uprooted from the land uh, where you have in, uh, in, inhabited. Now, 
we know historically that we were never completely to the last man uprooted from the land of Israel, but um, pretty close. In the 13th century, when the Ramban came to Yerushalayim, he wrote that he couldn't find a minion. There weren't even 10 Jews in Yerushalayim. And the Ramban, uh, that may have been the low point in the history of uh, Jewish Yerushalayim. And the Ramban began the process of rebuilding, a process that continued throughout the centuries to this day. So you're going to be almost completely driven from the land. Pasuk Samachdal says, Vehefitzcha Hashem bechol ha'amim mikitzei ha'aret ve'ad kitzei ha'aret va'avadet ha'sham Elohim acherim asher lo yadata ata v'avotecha eitz va'aven. My friends, this Pasuk describes contemporary reality. Vehefitzcha Hashem bechol ha'amim it talks about Jewish people being scattered among all the nations of the world. And we've mentioned a few times that if there's a place on this earth today where there is no Jewish community, it's only because there once was one and we were driven out of there. Or maybe because we were never allowed in, although I'm not even sure there is such a place. This pasuk has been fulfilled completely. We have been scattered amongst all of the nations from one end of the earth to another as we once dramatized from Sydney to Los Angeles and from Oslo to Johannesburg. And what's going to happen in these places, the Torah tells us? We're going to assimilate. We're going to worship foreign gods, whether that means literally bowing down to pagan gods or whether that means assimilating into a foreign culture and and, and accepting the supremacy of the culture around us. But then the Torah goes on and tells us something else that history has shown us to be absolutely true. In Pasuk Samachay, the Torah tells us, Uvagoyim haheim lo targia, velo manoach lecha Vinatan Hashem lecha sham levragaz you might want to assimilate because you just give up and you'll say, okay, if I've been thrown out of my land and I'm destined to live in this foreign land, I have to, I have to acclimate, I have to learn how to get along in this, new, in this new world that I'm in. And that means when in Rome, do as the Romans do. It means learning how to, you know, as they say, walk the walk and talk the talk. It means adopting the mode of dress and language and culture of the native society. It also means involving the, adapting their lifestyle, their values, and even their religion, perhaps. But the Torah tells us none of that is going to work. You can try as much as you want, but you'll never be able to rest. The lesson that Theodore Herzl learned when he sat in the courtroom in Paris and watched Alfred Dreyfus being sent to prison for no reason other than he was, that he was a Jew, and the, all of his bravery and all of his devotion to France not mattering at all, Herzl should have just read this pasuk. You will never be able to rest. You'll never be able to really feel that you can settle down anywhere. And it's always going to be a life of difficulty and struggle and disappointment. You're going to have to be afraid day and night. 
the, 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 the destiny of the diaspora Jew. At night, in the morning you'll say, I wish it was evening, in the evening you'll say, I wish it was morning. Because of the fear you're going to have. So this is the, this is the terrible description of what the exile is going to be like. But unlike in Vayikra, uh, where there's just a very, very brief and somewhat cryptic conclusion that leads to a happy end. Here in Dvarim, it's spelled out in much greater detail in Perik Lamed. And these are Psukim that we also read before, but let's read them again now. It tells us in Perik Lamed, Vehaya, Ki Yavau Alecha Kol Hadvarim Haele, Habracha Vehaklala. Asher natati lefanecha. After all of these things happen, all these things, the bracha and the klala, all the things that the Torah tells us, towards the end of history, and we can read these psukim sort of as the prerequisite for what Bilam saw, it starts off with vahashevota el levavecha. And vahashevota el levavecha could be understood more than one way. But at least one of those ways is the way in which the Targum Unkelis translates it. In Aramaic he writes, Bahashevote Levavecha, he translates as Vitetiv Lilibach, which literally means you will return to yourself. In other words, something's going to stir inside of you. Uh, something's going to begin to wake up after all this suffering, after, as we saw, trying to assimilate, trying to fit in, trying to just relax running away from everything and nothing working out, something's going to stir within you. You're going to start to return to your true self. While you are still in those foreign lands. And then it says, Then you'll return to God. Ultimately, this will lead to to pure and true tshuva. And what's that going to happen? What's that going to What's that going to cause? Vishav, and now the same word, return. After you return first to yourself and then to God, Vishav Hashem God's going to return you v'richamecha, and God's going to have mercy on you. Vishav v'kibetzcha, and He's going to gather you. Mikol ha'amim asher hefitzcha Hashem shama. He'll gather you from all those places wherein He has scattered you. Again, from Sydney to Los Angeles, from Oslo to Johannesburg. Even if you've been scattered to the far ends of the heavens, from there Hashem will gather you. From there He will take you. And Hashem will bring you back to the land that your ancestors inhabited, inherited and you shall inherit it. This is a very uh, perplexing expression. God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your children. We're going to need to, in a future week, we're going to need to understand what that expression means. What's it, but what's going to be the, the result of that? Le'ahava. 
Et Hashem elokecha b'chol levavcha b'chol nafshecha leman chayecha. So that you will love Hashem with all of your heart and with all of your soul so that you will live. V'natan Hashem elokecha kol ha'alot ha'ila aloivecha v'altonecha sheredafucha. And then Hashem will put all the curses against your enemies. And here we see the prophecy of Bilam. Bilam didn't see all the intermediate steps. Bilam just saw what was going to happen to us at the end of time. And that's probably what led him to mistakenly believe he could bring us down. But he didn't see that we were going to do tshuva. And he didn't see that it was the tshuva that was going to lead to the, the vision that he saw of us defeating our enemies. And therefore you should tashuv, you will return. And then all the brachot will return to you. That's what it says here um, at the end of uh, at the end of the book of Tzfarim. So we have here sort of a schematic framework of uh, the time period known as Yemot Hamashiach, but the details aren't really spelled out for us in the Torah. Uh, the Nevi'im, the later prophets, uh, particularly Yeshayahu, but also some of the other Nevi'im, uh, fill in a lot of those details for us. And then the rabbis uh, debate them and try to understand them further. And that's what we're going to spend uh, the last few of these discussions trying to understand a little bit about. What is this Yemot HaMashiach? Uh, how is it meant to come about? What role do we have in bringing it about? And how does everything we've discussed in this entire series sort of lead up to all of that? That's what we'll be doing over, over the next final few uh, podcasts. Until next week... I wish you shalom.